Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Cakes. What's up, my dude? What's happening? I almost forgot this uh this meetup. Well, um don't do that. I'm glad you re- I'm glad you remembered. Yeah. And um I'm happy we to the, see you. We were at the basketball court for lunch and uh I was like, oh, we should probably head back. It's almost 1 30. Get in the car and I start driving here, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta be on with Andy in like five minutes. Yeah, be honest. The what reminded you was my text. No, I was here when I got the text. Like I okay. literally was just like, "Oh fuck, I forgot. I'm recording today at 1:30." Yeah, I texted you quick takes, and I figured, mm-hmm. well, you know, that's probably a hey, let's go, let's do this. Well, it's not it's not our normal day, and it's a redo. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it hasn't happened in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely it's all our fault. Were you supposed? Yeah. To, it's always our fault. Yeah. Everything's always Which I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So. Me too, man. Um, hey, check check. Or is this or hey. we're recording, I think. Check, hey, check. Hey, I love you. We're gonna see you in a couple days. I know, I can't wait. Yeah. Like uh super excited. Yeah, I've been hard for like days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to because this last time I shared this and since it didn't, we have to re-record it. I feel like I need to share it one more time. Check that out. Okay. <laughs> it is a beautiful album. Real. Mm-hmm. Like this, it's not just an album cover. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You can see reflection. you. Look at you. Yeah, look at there. me. Wish I could. Wish you were bigger. It's so She's... beautiful and shiny. She doesn't say that. She says that. Oh, yeah. I think, was it the last time you said you're, it's short, but you get it gets the job done. Yeah, it's like a tell plug. Uh, that was from Scott Kingscreen, mm-hmm. who, if you didn't know, he is in every single episode. True. Yes. In a way, in a small way. Mm-hmm. Very small. Bottom left. Um, I saw that you posted up outside. You were at, I did. Um, All week I've been working outside. Dude, that's like, I wanted, so I commented on your, on that post. Yeah. I did. You didn't. Like yes, comment, like reply. Oh, you did. It. Oh, uh-huh. thank you. Makes me feel good. Um, I was trying to think of what I was going to comment, and I one of them, my option two, was going to be, "Hey, is there room at in your office for me?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, if you like, would have said no. No. Then I would have. I would have been crushed. <clears throat> right. Exactly. Um, uh, I saw your post yesterday with these red boots on. You want to tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, so I was just goofing around because those aren't mine. Those were Jerry. So a guy who is uh, on our, well, I would call it client success team. He used to be a printer. He's awesome. But he had this, um, he ordered them like because it was a lottery actually to to be able to buy them. <laughs> they only made so many. And he got that. They came in the other day and he brought them here. And we were all just like, you know, like we've got a, like try these on they were insane yeah 
And so I made, I was, you know, I've always wanted to be a fashion blogger. And so I did the old, you know, whatever video I made, made it real quick. And there was, and I, are they supposed to be like, like video game character legs or boots or something? I don't know. The kids, I mean, it went viral on TikTok or something. It's yes. It's probably like the perfect Coachella like outfit. It would complete your outfit. Like if you, if you wore those, yeah, to a, it just a festival. Like normal boots for me. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Although. Oh, right. You're saying that, that you're Size used wise. to like, oh yeah, they, I think they yeah. were kind of big. They were like 13s or something. That's what I wear. There you go. Um, but they had no support. Like I don't recommend them for plantar fasciitis or for your spinal health. Okay. Cool. It's purely just a, Hey, I look freaking awesome. yeah. yeah that's what it was um what else is going on here i was you know how we were talking last well it was actually just a couple days ago our last episode about that brand that i was gonna you know we were gonna meet and talk about how we get mm-hmm. closer dude mm-hmm. so much good came from that like i have a new respect for their whole team and we are definitely going to be able to get closer. We learned so much about each other. We laughed. We cried. We what hugged. did you learn? You know, you're right. This is going to take a while. Or do we? Or <laughs> let's bring this up with John then. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should. Okay. Because we are. It. We don't have a whole lot of time, and we learned a lot though. And we all have been emailing back and forth, like lots of like, "You guys are awesome. Thanks so much. It was <laughs> cool hangs. All this kind of stuff, you know." Mm-hmm. And it meant. And actually, I did write. I, I, I so yeah. Let's talk about this later because I actually my second question on here is something that pertains to this whole meetup. So yeah, save okay. it for later. All right, sounds good. I've had a really I can good talk about. Week. Sorry, I can talk about it. Talking about it. I can talk oh. about it. <laughs> you make me a fucking meatball sub while you're at it. I just have. S- like whatever happened, I'm not sure, but it was maybe like a recessive gene that kicked in for a second mm-hmm. that um, a different accent came out. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like when we hiccup, that's a recessive gene kicking in. Right? Sure. From when we were a fish. Right. I would have been a megalodon. I'm not sure what that is. I know it's like a dinosaur fish or something. It's a fucking massive shark. Ooh, okay. Come on, Andy. Um, I, don't, I don't know these things. How's how's everything been there this week, though? Like here, it's been good, busy. Sun is shining. It's fucking beautiful outside. Everyone's kind of like in a chipper mood for the most part. Okay. It's good. It feels great, man going garage sailing this weekend that's with your mother's day i was gonna guess tia and you were gonna go Mm -hmm. hit the circuit oh yeah yep getting up at 7 a.m what are you looking for anything cool you should look for those big red boots you see if you can find if you Uh, find a pair of those buy them on the spot i will just for you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well that sounds fun yeah mother's day i'm not ready i know I know what to get, though. Got to go do that tomorrow. Are you going for a nice long walk with your mother? Probably. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, this is, uh, John part two. Mm -hmm. We did one with him and he was on the roof, (laughs) which is fucking amazing. Um, but we had internet issues that, uh, we decided were not good for the listeners. So yeah, John from cold cuts in Hatfield PA part two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, when I told Kyle that, um, who we were having on, he said, I probably have a thousand shirts from that dude <laughs> in his drawer. All the, ba- all the band merch. Yeah. Hmm. What movie did you see last night? It sucked. Hypnotic. No, nah, I haven't heard of it. It's like, it felt like a fucking, like a lifetime movie with Ben Affleck. <laughs> it was just not good. Like it was, it was Ben Affleck up. was in it or he's the main character. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. It was funny yesterday. Well, the day before yesterday I said, Oh, I'm going to go home, cut my hair. And Bill was like, no dude, like I'll cut your hair. Cause he like dabbles in doing like barber stuff. I was like, all right, cool. Whatever. Like worst case scenario, I, I buzz my hair down to nothing because that's what I would normally do anyway. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, dude, sure. So I brought my clipper set we were back on the deck where I was been working all week. I set up a stool and he fucking caught my hair yesterday. I mean, the sick fades on the side. Look at that. Look at that. You know, it got some length on top. So I got a fresh nice cut dude. and then uh, I went home and showered and went and got a 24 ounce sirloin and, uh, Watched a shitty movie. Hmm. You have like, there's a theater close to you. You go to like your usual spot. Yeah. Yeah. I have Regal Unlimited so I can just go as many times as I want. Oh, really? So you just buy like the monthly thing? Yeah. I just pay the monthly like twenty one ninety nine, and then I can go as many times as I want. That's a good deal. Yeah. Right, it all starts with the screen, and whether it's new stretches or restretches, Frank and his team do it the best. To find out more, go to graphicscreenfashion.com, F-F-F-F-F. Rank.com. Or? Greatfuckingscreens.com. When I went to that meeting yesterday, we went into their screen room, and boom, there it was. G-S-F. An Iraq upside down, though. So it was like upside down G-S-F. Nice. But it was there, his sticker. His famous Using the best. fucking sticker. Yeah. They know what's up. Mm-hmm. Cleaning screens is no fun, but Easy Way makes it way more funner. Their line of eco-friendly chemicals will make reclaiming screens a whole lot easier. Check them out at easyway.com. Easy Way. It's the easiest way. If you or your art department could use some love, then you need to go to 1-900-HOTSTUFF.COM and get in touch with Nick or Lucas. Nick or Lucas. At Source. And let them run your art department so you can focus on running your business. Yes. Great dude. So I've made some progress with our summer camp, by the way. Oh, yeah? And I think I have a date. Pretty sure it's July. I know, I know. But I I talked to um, Ray today and we're locking it in. Okay. You hear that? Shirt show summer camp. It's coming. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like nothing to do with screen printing. Yeah. Right. We're just going to sit around and have old duels. Mm-hmm. 
Choosing the right emulsion for your shop is complicated, and that's why we love Chromaline. Go to chromaline.com to watch Kev's vids or contact him on Instagram at the emulsion guru and get the answers you need. For sure. Mm. If your shop is like ours and you are running more and more DTF and screen print transfers, then you need a partner that can get you quality transfers fast. Check out Howard Custom Transfers at howardct.com. And while you are there, order yourself a sample pack. A no-brainer. TC, are you stretching? Is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. Need it bad. Are you getting down? Some lunges? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just doing the real... I'm standing, you know, and so when I'm... I got to stretch out the legs. Crossing our fingers. This is going to work. We're going to have some good quality internet wouldn't it be hilarious if it was like our internet this time mm-hmm. always our great. fault that's what i'm saying look at that <laughs> look at this man what's up sir not much what's going on oh it's a beautiful sunny friday dude that it is mm-hmm. can you hear me good i've never used this mic before it's your perfect. voice it's is flawless like, and mm-hmm. you need way better be... i'm getting chills up my spine <laughs> Enjoy it. You know what we just ordered is a a bucket hat display hanger. You would call it, I guess. Like it's it's rope, rope, and then there's this like piece of wood. Yeah. And then <laughs> we're gonna hang our bucket hat hats from it. So yeah, we're gonna display some bucket hats. I've never once sold a bucket hat to a customer. I have. I have a lot. It's an embroidery thing for us too. So I don't know. So what's going on there, dude? Uh, not much. Uh, enjoying Friday. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, this week week went by way too fast, but here we are. Yeah. I was telling Andy like how fucking gorgeous it's been here all week. Like it's been like you know 60s, 70s, sunny every day. I've been working outside every day, not on the roof, but outside. I saw on your little picnic bench. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, so that little. Yeah, it's actually two big picnic benches outside covered, no direct sunlight, but it's glorious. I think nice. that you were partially inspired by John. I was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't raining and windy and I didn't have to climb an extension ladder to get there, but. Then it wasn't as fun. That's <laughs> true. That's definitely true. So anyway, you have a shop that. And even Andy said, you talked to Kyle about who you had on today. Tell tell John that story. Yeah, so I told Kyle that, you know, who we were talking to. And he says, I probably have like a thousand shirts from him. You know, so. Hell yeah. That's a lot of purchases. <laughs> you have a huge supporter here at Shurkong. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, Bill too. Bill has, Bill has probably 20, 30 shirts from John too. Hopefully they're holding up. Yeah, they are. I see, I see those CDC shirts all the time. So I'm like, I know where that came from. Yeah, there's only one spot for that. Yeah. Conveniently. Uh, mm-hmm. So to point that out, you're the guy that I think of when I think of like a hardcore or uh, like a metal shirt. I think it's got to, it had to have come from John. Um, how How did you go about getting into that world? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just pretty fully vested in that world from playing in bands. So I just knew way too many people and way too many bands and just kind of, I guess, leveraged that 
and help them get the merch that they needed to sell shows. I felt like I was pretty tied in with what people wanted to at the time where they were having trouble getting what they wanted through a regular shop because everyone wanted like oversized and most pe- people were like, yeah, we don't print wider than 12 inches. So um, speaking of to accomplish that. Speaking of fucking Tony hit me up the other day and was like, dude, I'm so swamped. Uh, I kind of want to send you some work. And I was like, all right, cool. What do you want to send me? He's like, I've got this like 2000 piece hoodie job. That's a 17 inch wide back print. And I, was like, I was like, no fucking way. Like I am not a, I really don't want hoodie, a hoodie contract job from you. And B, I don't definitely don't want it to be 17 inches wide. Like that yeah, sounds fun. like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I definitely used to do that. Um, not a lot, but I definitely did those jobs, um, manually too back then. So it was not very fun. And I definitely was, yeah taping films together because i only had a 13 by 19 printer so you'd have to i think you guys have talked about that before oh yeah but, yeah with that six yeah. splice line through the half tones yeah yeah if you could get it dark enough it wouldn't matter too much mm-hmm. but um it was still a thing um but yeah i remember pulling i think i even did one that was like edge to edge like almost 18 inches and it was really dumb but um <laughs> tried to make it happen yeah Hard this oversized printing thing first of all Tony must have been really desperate if he was going to job something out to you. But um, I think that I called him and uh, for whatever, I can't remember why and we were talking and I, and I mentioned to him like, Oh my gosh, you know, like you're like, that's crazy. Why so big? And he was acting like it was nothing and pretty standard over there. And he actually did say though, cause do you have oversized pallets to even print that? Well, that's what I said to him. I was like, how are you printing that? He's like, Oh, I have 18 inch pallets. And I was like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, his market, like the whole like horror clothing line thing, too. Like, they probably want to do some stuff like that. That's just huge. He said he would have shipped you the pallets, though. Like, you could have borrowed them. That shows how much he doesn't want to do that job. (laughs) Was it 17 inches wide, like the whole way, or just like a chunk in the middle? Or I don't know. I didn't, I just, I said no right off the bat. I was like, I'd love to help you out if you got other stuff, but like, I don't want that one. I, do I feel the, like those kind of prints are easier if it's in the middle where it's wider. Like at the top where you got to deal with the seams, that's a nightmare. Right. But True. down in the middle, it's like whatever. Right. If it was like a weird flare in the middle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be that big a deal. Or if it was black ink, cool. But if you're yeah. underbasing or PFPing white and stuff like that. On no, I'm fleece. pretty sure this was like an I'm pretty sure this was like an eight color or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a nah dude. Yeah, that's exactly what that was. That was a nah dude for sure. um i remember like you were saying john back then you would take stuff like that i remember we had this like four color single station uh press that a customer wanted something stupid tall i think it was i think it was like uh you know maybe 16 or 17 wide by like 24 inches tall and i remember i just went to like lowe's and got like a piece of that uh what is it like mdf with like the white on top and bottom yeah and I just like circular saw, like cut out a custom palette, screwed in the bracket on the bottom for whatever press it was and put it on. I But I remember it was so heavy and so big that every print we did, we had one guy printing and one guy standing on the other side of the press to Make hold sure it, it down off. so it yeah. didn't flip over. Yeah. The only the only time I've, made, I've fashioned palettes was I took like, because uh, I started out with um, 
Hopkins. That was the first like real press I had. I started out with like, I guess some basic silver, but then it was a Hopkins and they had those wooden boards that kind of had that tailored neck at the top. I'm sure you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, But we stopped using those once I started using the aluminum boards and I took a couple of those other ones and I, I routed out grooves to do canvas belts in one. And then I also took one and just crudely cut uh, like a, a half moon shape in it to print the bottom of flat hats. Yeah. We, um, we were at a shop yesterday. We had a meeting. Um, our, our team did with their ink team, but we also ran over and looked at one section really quick because we wanted to see where they were pulling their white ink from. And while we were over there, it was sort of off in the far area. First of all, they have 29 autos, which is, seems like a lot, yeah. but we were up in this one area and they had a, an auto set up, turned on, not running and hasn't ran for months. It was just, uh, it was a rock. It was an oversize, you know, like a 10 color. And the pallets were the ones that were, are, you know, there's rectangle on the bottom and then they have the sleeves, you know? Uh, yeah, they're for the billboard shirts. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. And they weigh it's like- big across the top. Yeah. They're a bazillion Ocean pounds. City. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I have one of those that I got from Action like forever ago. You see the one where they have the, like the sleeves on it are actual, like they actually like come in and come out. Yeah. Why yeah, do they do that? So you can slide the shirt on and then pop the sleeves out. So you don't have to like move it around. Oh the sleeves. yeah. Yeah. No stretching. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, never tried that. Yeah. I've never, I've never, never once had a customer even ask for that. So like there's, there's no need. Like we don't live on a beachfront area where people want those shirts. So. Um, Still get people asking occasionally for like something that goes up and over the shoulder. And you're like, nah, mm-hmm. it's not really mm-hmm. easy to do. My favorite is when a customer asks for something like a, like a snake or some kind of creature where like it's a full oversized front and then it goes to the back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we could do this, but it would take a lot and we charge you a lot. Yeah. I, I just am like, nah, dude, like, mm-hmm. And then they end up getting like a 14 inch print, like in on the side instead. And they're just not happy with what it is. Um, they have dreams. Yeah. But you started off in a band and then you were printing your own stuff, correct? Uh, I eventually started printing my own stuff. Yeah. I yeah. didn't in the beginning cause I didn't think I was good enough. So I wanted to mess up other people's stuff first. <laughs> And then you were, well, you have kind of an interesting story that you were printing out of the van. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, we were in like the Bay Area and uh, I decided I wanted to start printing again because uh, I dabbled in it previously. And I looked on Craigslist, found a listing, went and purchased it. Um, definitely got overcharged because it was not worth a thousand bucks for what I got. But I started uh, coding screens in people's basements and trying to expose screens in people's basements. It was horrible because I had no idea what I was doing at first. And by the time I got to like Indiana on the other side of the country, essentially, I finally got a good screen and I was able to go to a store. I think we love Walmart and bought some shirts, printed them, cured them in this dude's living room and then sold them that night at the show. And it was like the coolest thing ever. The best part is you're using other people's homes to test this stuff out. Yes. 100%. I don't I don't remember if I told this uh before but 
when I had to clean that screen, it was a, it was red ink on a white shirt. So it was really easy, but I had no idea how to clean plastic. I'd never used it before. This is the first time ever in someone else's place. It was an apartment complex. And all I had to clean that I knew could do any cleaning only from trying it was a can of screen opener. And I emptied <laughs> that whole thing on one screen, just spraying it and watching the ink, like, I guess, disappear inside, and just, just like inside, your just inside. like your brain cells. Yes. Inside. <laughs> and it smelled horrible. And one of the neighbors called the fire department because they thought there was a gas leak <laughs> and we just hid inside the apartment and did not leave. But yeah, it was pretty good. And we're high off the fumes for the whole yeah, thing. Dude. Seriously. Isn't that said to be like one of the most harmful things in a screen printing shop, a screen opener? I, I think it's pretty toxic. It's not great. <laughs> we stopped using it. It helped. It definitely helps. I've never and used it. When you're in a bind, we used to have cans of it. And, you know, you get in this bind that just something won't come out of your screen. It definitely yeah. comes out with that. But we decided it just was so infrequent. And it's so, even in this shop like not just a small room or anything or even a house like in this shop it travels throughout the whole shop it smells so bad you know because yeah, it's pretty bad and we used to when we used the rag to clean out we used to say that has to go immediately outside you know it can't just go in a trash can in the shop because it just fumigates the whole thing yeah either we still you, keep them around do either of you use acetone in your no. spray out gun kind of the same oh no no john That's do you 97 it's SR97, which I, I'm assuming is essentially almost acetone, but mm. I don't truly know. We've used acetone for years, and I know people are like, oh, well, acetone might leave like a ring or whatever, or you can buy the one from so-and-so that's supposed to be a little bit better. But I don't know. We've always had decent luck with acetone with taking out uh, spots or whatever. Um, but I always thought acetone was like horrible for you. Like you shouldn't get it on your skin because it's so cold. You know what I mean? Like it feels weird and it evaporates super quick or you when you get it on you, you feel like this just 100% soaked into my skin really quick. <laughs> um, but it's funny, like this is kind of a side story, but I've always thought that like my entire career, like this is can be good for you. Like don't get it on you, whatever. Um, but my daughter had a friend over like two weekends ago and we went to the mall and they ended up buying without me knowing like press on nails. <laughs> and they, they went in the bedroom after we got back to the house and they ended up doing their nails, which I didn't know, but they put on this basically like super glue on all of their nails and then put the, the press on nails on. And then my daughter was kind of freaking out later that night. Cause it's, it was the first time she ever did it. And she's like, I really want these off. And they would not come off. Like I was terrified it was going to like rip her real nail back or whatever. And I tried everything like I read online to just like dip them in hot soapy water and hold them there for a certain amount of time and they'll loosen up. That didn't work at all. And then I started reading online and like they were just like, these are like women's forums for like how to do this stuff. And they're like, oh, just like dip your hands in acetone for like like 10, 15 minutes or whatever. And then the nails will start to peel off. And I was like, that cannot be good for you. Like, there's no way yeah. just fully immersing your hands in acetone mm. for that amount of time is good for you. So I was just curious if you guys used, I mean, I know Andy, you have one of those like fancy spray booths with the, the vacuum and all that stuff. I have one now, but for years, we just used a cup with a rag. I did that for a long time. Yeah. We used for years, we used a shop vac. You know, so like you have, we had a hose that was clipped 
you just turn the shop back on and put the shirt over it. You've probably seen yeah. that before. Well, Scott's um, Scott sent us a tutorial on how he made his. His is better. That's what I do now. Step on a, he steps on a floor pedal Pedal. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, my son was helping me at the shop one day. He was probably 15 maybe. And he went to spray out a shirt and he hit his thumb. Oh, with the gun? Yeah. Yeah. And it went in, like it made a little, like it broke the skin. And I freaked out and I actually ended up taking him to Urgicare because I mm-hmm. made the mistake of looking on Google and it said, oh, your thumb can fall off or whatever. So I went to, <laughs> you know, took him in. He still has a scar, like this little scar on his finger from, it's no joke. Like those, you know, we have our set at mist, more of a mist now. But if you're, if somebody's messing with it and they put it as like a jet or, you know what I mean? Like I hundred percent keep it that way. Yeah. I've gotten ink on like my leg or arm or something and just left the shirt on and just like sprayed it. And then it just hurts like a son of a bitch, mm. but yeah, <laughs> but whatever. It's just, it's what you do. I always say that's what, you know, keeps me young too. Like it feels, you know, Bob remover. Yeah. Bob <laughs> I mean, remover keeps me young. For sure. I just I just take a rag and I douse it with the spot remover and then I just mm. puff the shit out of it till it's fully evaporated. <laughs> well, you just gotta lay down and put it right over your eyes and just right. chill. <laughs> it's like cucumbers. It's a screen for a cucumber. Right over your eyes. Like if... <laughs> when I first started, you know, you're so in the mindset of like if you goof a couple hundred shirt order and you're like, oh, I can spray that letter out or whatever and put a new, you know, I've gone through the scenario of, well, to buy 200 more shirts at $2,400, I think that the, like the solution, the spot gun remover is like Just 75 bucks sure. or whatever. You know, but back then it's like, fuck it, I'm going to stay here for two hours and spray this stuff out and all this kind of stuff. And I used to do that. And then I wisened up and said, just buy new shirts. Like it would be so much faster. I know people that get orders from customers that went somewhere else and something got messed up, like a sleeve or Mm -hmm. a pocket or something. And they're like, Hey, can I bring you these shirts? And you like remove the print from the other guy and like redo a print. And they just sit there and spot gun like, and like, Um, this is the worst thing. No, fuck that. Make the customer, the other guy redo the whole order. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the theme of this episode is going to be nah, dude. Yeah, you know? seriously. Nah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even need, John, we don't even need your story. We'll just, let's just fucking, <laughs> let's just talk about whatever. I have a good, I have a question. I have a question. Okay. This, this is like a current, current event. Current events. Okay. That's been on my mind a lot. I've been thinking about it and here it is. Okay. So, is it a good idea to have a backup of everything? And so, and when I say everything, I mean like CTS. And so here are two examples. One, Dylan just went through this whole thing of refurb being basically his eye image. And so now it's up and running and it's working great. However, he's still considering getting either a wax machine or a laser, you know, to go to like that next level. Um, part of the logic uh, for uh, printers for all all shops is usually like, okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna upgrade from, you know, this unit to that unit. I'll sell my old unit and then I'll take that money and apply it towards, you know, the new unit so it doesn't cost as much, right? So, I mean, that's it's it's smart. But is it smarter for Dylan to keep his eye image, like unplug it, roll it over to or put it somewhere and safe storage so that when 
whatever. So you're never in the spot because you were down for a week. You're never in that spot again. Should you keep yeah, your but the, I feel like if I unplugged the eye image and just rolled it in a corner, the next time I plug it in and use it, it's not going to print. Like it's going to be dried up. It's going to not want to work. I, I think like there's, the there's got to be a way to preserve that head. You know, yeah, you could run the cleaning solution through it and like, mm. you know, go through the whole thing. That's like what we did with our film printer. And that mm -hmm. was the funniest. The funniest part of that whole story was that we hadn't used that film printer for like six years. Like it literally was one of those like, oh, we'll keep it as extra. It's in Brian's office, whatever. And then when the eye image went down, we're like, I guess we're going to print some film. And literally he did one power cleaning on the Epson. And it printed fucking perfectly. Like the thing, the thing was off for six years, turned it on and it printed. That's and crazy. I was, I was blown away that it worked, which was funny too. Cause I called AJ and I was like, Hey, I need a roll of film. I need like a, whatever it is, like a 17 inch roll of waterproof film. He's like, why, why do you need that? <laughs> um, but yeah, that would be my fear. That would be my fear of like not selling it right now. And, and now is, now I have a $40,000 paperweight that's sitting in another room just drying up and ruining itself. John, you have a laser now. Did you go from film to laser or did you step up? Film to laser. Uh, no Straight. shit. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> just dove right in. So do you have the the printer, the film printer in storage somewhere? Uh, Yeah, it's in the other room here. Yeah, but you um, still use it, don't you? Because you're doing like... Here and there. Stuff for yeah. poster printing or whatever? Yeah, we use it here and there, but um, we don't get as lucky to do one power cleaning and it works. So right. um, it's it's been a little more problematic than that. So we've essentially just been leveraging local shops and their kindness and generosity to help out peers to print films. So we have a shop like 10 minutes down the street that we can use. Maybe we have a couple actually. So um that's kind of my backup plan but yeah i'm definitely not buying another laser what are you thinking andy you thinking you're gonna buy a backup now well uh tc tyler screen printing just was in uh was just texting the group about um you know how he's going from an eye image to um to a i think wax he's, a, he's getting a spider i think well maybe not um but well, whatever it, he he asked the question like, "Hey, should I should I sell the eye image or keep it? You know, as my backup. Yeah. What's what would you do? Like, what in that situation? I'm thinking keep it. You know, because what happens when they all machines go down? Like, no matter what, let's say it's three year warranty, doesn't matter. Eventually, something goes wrong, and you like to think that you can be back it up. You know, back up and running in 24, 48 hours or something. But what do you do? You know, wouldn't it be the coolest thing in the world to have that eye image and just turn it on and go? Um, we don't have a backup right now. We don't have a film printer. We don't have anything. We would just have to rely on some other shop. We'd be like, hey, can we come make a bunch of screens? I don't even know what they'd say. You know, I don't have that plan B like right now in place or anything. We were, we'd basically be screwed. And did so, you see, um, did you see in our text, our mild boys text, that uh, Ron was posting the prices that things were going for? At that auction yesterday, said so eye images were like twenty five hundred bucks. Right, but you know you're buying this technology from some other shop. That, who knows? I mean, that's what I help. said to um, to Matt, like a relentless because he bought one. He got one. He got an eye image for twelve hundred dollars. 
He got an really? eye image. I'll say it again. Yeah. But the truth is, the truth is, is that I just bought all the new parts for my eye image to refurbish it, basically. So and he yeah, could, he could buy a twelve hundred dollar eye image and then spend mm-hmm. five grand on all new parts and have a brand new eye images for six grand. Or yes. he could spend twelve hundred dollars and just use it, harvest it for parts. You know, right. for spare parts for his current eye image or whatever. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. You, you never know. You could be buying because you don't get to test it out. You're buying it. It's sort of like the storage wars or whatever. You know, you open, you're buying yeah. a storage unit and you don't know. You're buying an eye image and it could, it may or may not work. Yeah. I just think mm-hmm. for being able to replace all the parts in it, mm-hmm. you could do it cheaper than you could buy a new eye image. So, and I also know like me and Matt are good friends. Like we talk all the time that he's a serial uh, buying used equipment guy, even like though he has he a problem. Need it. Yeah. He has a problem <laughs> for sure. You know who can fix those things and how he actually asked, he goes, hey, should I just ship this from the auction directly to Scott at King Screen? Because apparently he's got the answers. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I think my problem is also space. Like, I feel like even if I went to Mark and got the wax unit, like, I have no place to put the eye image unless I put it in the, in the trailer, which would be cold in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. I have no place in the shop to put it. What are you trying to like dump the eye image if you're going to the wax? Like, would you not yeah, want to use it at it. all? Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, sell I mean it. that's. My plan. I mean, I think the best backup plan for making screens is just finding a shop that you can use to help you. I don't think it's worth that equipment is too expensive. Just like in theory, your backup should all your presses shit the bed or you lose electric is to go to another shop to contract mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. I think you know small things are easy to store backups of or certain things that don't require um, often usage or easy to use like a backup air compressor. Like yeah. we have two air compressors, they're both hooked up. So we can just turn this one on today, you know, to make sure we run it every once in a while. But um, I think with, when it comes to like eye images and stuff like that, it's that's too cumbersome to try and keep a backup of. So it's just find a shop that you know can help you. Because as your, long as you have an exposure unit. Is your backup air compressor identical to your no. primary? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the old one that we used to use, and then it was running all the time. So mm-hmm. it was like, we need a, a new compressor. So we got a new one that's much better. And um, we just kept the old one around and hooked up. And if we have to use it because the other one breaks, well, sure, it runs a lot more and it's louder and yada 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 but it it definitely gets us through till we get mm-hmm. the other one repaired save your you know? butt yeah yeah i uh had switched out my air compressors during covid and i had my old one there's a big uh piston air compressor and it was like the one thing in our shop that the um the energy company said that was like our biggest energy suck so we kind of discontinued it there was nothing wrong with it again like we had just refurbished the thing um, I set it aside and then I put it on for sale on the uh, the Discord. And then uh, Nikki from now Cotton Street used to be Machine Gun Graphics was like, oh, me and Kyle need it. Uh, I'll buy it from you, but we're going to have to come up and get it or, you know, ship it or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't want to ship this thing. Weighs like 1300 pounds. It's just awkward. It's tall. Um, whatever. I was like, I could ship it if you want me to, but like, it'd be way better if like you picked it up because I don't have to like mess around with it too much. It. But I, 
I ended up having my dad build a custom pallet for it made out of two by sixes and like bolts. Um, and, but again, like I have no forklift. So we literally like pallet jacked it up just enough to get it under the front of the pallet. And then we put ratchet straps on the, on the air compressor and on the backside of the pallet and just kind of like come along it onto the pallet, which took forever. Yeah. Got it on there. And then, uh, they finally decided they were going to come pick it up, which was cool. And again, this week, like I said, like it was, it was Monday this week and it's been like beautiful out and like a couple things have happened that have been like real nice this week and everything about getting it from my building into his trailer went flawlessly. And I was like blown away because that shit does not happen to me. Like I told my dad that day, I was like, probably going to die of a heart attack today because like, there's no way this went that well without something else horribly wrong happening. Um, but yeah, it's hard, I, it's hard for you to take wins. It is very hard for me to take <laughs> wins. Seriously. Um, but like, even that, like we have our shipping receiving floor is wood. Uh, cause we built it up to match the concrete floor. And like, so anything heavy going across it, you can hear it like creaking, like creaking and crunching into the wood. So I had like two pallet jacks, one on each side of it, and we we wheeled it over fast, got it onto the concrete. And so that went good. Nothing went through the floor. So I was again blown away. And then I had to get it through between our loading station and the dryer to get it out like a door on the side of the building. Because again, my building's up and I can't get a forklift in here. And it literally would there was probably like a half inch on either side of space for me to like perfectly get it through there. So again, I was like, who is looking down on me right now to like help me get this thing out the door? And then forklift came from the neighbors, literally picked it up, set it in the back of his trailer. Flawless. I was like, I, I don't know what's happening right now. This is like, why am I having this luck? But again, that was, you know, that was my big backup air compressor. Mm. Um, but then me and you, Andy, we have the same backup now, right? That Husky. Dylan, I have to admit, I returned ours. You did. I tested it and it didn't power shit. <laughs> well, so it's really I, meant for like one press. Okay, well, that's not very much. And so I took it back and we are getting a different one. Is it just like a, a little Home Depot or Lowe's? Small it's a Home Depot one, impressive? but it's not a small one. Mine's a big one. It's like, well, I don't know, it's like 220 and it's... Uh, I can't remember how many horsepower. It Mine is, was like you know that little run the gauntlet compressor. It was like a half horse pancake. No, <laughs> yeah. like one for like a finish. That'd be nailer. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could use um, it for uh, your your quick clamp. That's it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was it was pretty decent. It just couldn't do the job. And I think the mistake I made was I hooked it up into our too early in the system, and so it was trying to feed the whole you know, line. It was, yeah, I was trying to create pressure in too much stuff. I needed to isolate it to just one. I need to, I think you need to drag it over to that one press or something. Like and create channels like, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I did is I put like a, I don't know, like a two male um, hose together where I could click it into the machine and then I could, I put casters on it so I could wheel it over to whatever press and then I could just click it right into the, yeah, in, into the press so I could just connect directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it worked out pretty good. But um, I have a third, I have three air compressors actually. I have another backup Ingersoll ran that's just in a shipping container out back. 
Well, you're never going to go down at this point. Is it new? Uh, I don't know how new it was. A warehouse was closing and I got a bunch mm. of stuff for free. And I was like, can I have this? And like, yeah, sure. And I was like, cool. <laughs> so I took it. Nice. That's a freebie. Yeah. You know, we're talking about other shops saving our butt, you know, and, and when something happens or we go down. And I heard this term last week uh, when I was at a conference and they, this guy said, he was talking on a subject and he, he mentioned the term col, uh, competitive collaboration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Googled the definition. You want to hear it? Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool. So competitive collaboration aims to bring together multiple stakeholder holders. Stakeholder. That's me. <laughs> yeah. So it knows, it knows you for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that share a common pain point and encourage them to develop a common solution that they can all benefit from without giving any one of them a competitive advantage over another. So it's sort of like the three of us may be talking about, oh, you know, this is going on in our shop. Let's all, yeah, let's, let's win here. And like, it's a win, win, win. Yeah. Yeah. As long as we're not stealing each other's business for the most part. Right. I mean, I think that's what your entire podcast has become. Yeah, essentially. True. It's funny. I, I won't get into it too much, but I think Kevin just talked about it. He, Kevin Baumgart called me the other day and, uh, he was talking to me about sales stuff and about, uh, this new thing he's working on. And that's kind of what it is, is it's kind of like getting together a high level group of people to be able to help each other figure out the best way to do like outbound sales. Um, and I, I, you know, a lot of it made a lot of sense. You know, I was like, yeah, kind of, if you have certain barrier of entry to it, it's like weeding out all the people that would probably be the people who kind of are in the race to the bottom with screen printing. You know what I mean? Like those people are already out of it and everybody else is people that just want to be real serious about actually getting good clients in. But as long as they were in different competing markets, they could all help each other. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that ties in pretty well to that. What was it called? Competitive collaboration. You're leading. Oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> stake hoarding. Stake hoarding. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's all. That's all I took away from that was stake hoarding. Yeah. I mean, because I would say traditionally, you know, a business is competitive. I think that competition is what drives us to be better in a lot of ways, you know? So like if I have a shop, which I do um, half a mile from here, that's just as, like scale wise, they're very similar and some of our customers absolutely overlap, then it's my job to do a better job. It's my job to, you know, um, if I'm not, if like, let's say we're not going to compete on price, we're going to compete on something else. And it's my job to have either better service or a better product, or I guess a better price, you know? And so it's like, you know, competitive competition drives you to be better. So when I heard the term like competitive collaboration well how what does that mean exactly and i i think that i think it does work in certain instances i think it's nice but mm-hmm. maybe not always john i think we talked about this last time we recorded this but um you kind of have like a really competitive market as far as like bands and especially like doing you know all of their fulfillment and everything else like how how do you go about that like i know it's hard to kind of acquire a band in the first place but to keep them and to how's all their inventory and everything else? 
Um, yeah, I would definitely say it's uh, competitive uh, to a degree. Um, there's a, there's a lot of shops that do what we do, and a lot of companies that do what we do. Um, but I mean, I guess it depends on the scale of the band and whatnot, because there's companies that are way larger than us to deal with way larger clientele. But there's definitely uh, some strong competition, and I guess it's just about like how quick can you turn it and how reliable can you be for them on tour or how quickly can you get their customers, their merch and uh, like just how good of a job you can do. It's the same with, with everything. Like Andy was saying, you know, it's like the same across the board for whatever niche you're dealing with. So uh, we deal with that heavily, but I feel like we certainly have it spread across, at least in the vein of what we do um, across different types of, I guess, uh, ways we work with the band you know when it comes to fulfillment and all that so there's the tour supply and there's the fulfillment and if you want to get into it there's also like projections and all that kind of stuff depending on how hands-on or hands-off that band or artist is trying to be so um do you guys have like a a, i guess like a target market when it comes to or a way of targeting i guess like if you're if you have a salesperson you're like hey i want you to go get more bands are is it more advantageous for you to go after like a brand new band who might want to stay with you forever. Like, you know, you, you get them in the beginning and then they grow with you or is it better to just go for a band that's like fully established and try to get that deal? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that depends on the situation. Um, I don't like being a snake in the grass and I don't want anyone that works for me to do that. So I'm not trying to snake, people's clients um right. you know because i i'm friends with a lot you of have people to, to a degree you know what i mean like if they're an established band they've already worked with somebody yeah but you gotta you gotta hope that there's a crack in the foundation of where they work you know um so i'm not gonna go in and be like oh i'm gonna beat your price you know that race at the bottom stuff mm-hmm. and right. i don't like doing that i don't like undercutting because i don't like when it happens to me i think that's not cool um right. i know it is it, it's a thing out there and it just is what it is but that's not who I want to be and that's not what I want to represent. So, um, you know, anyone I'm, I'm friends with that I don't work with or anyone I'm in touch with that I don't work with, I'll put out like feelers or whatever. And, you know, just say, Hey, if you ever need anything, let me know, but I'm not going to hard pitch someone that I don't work with, I guess. So, yeah. Um, but then getting in early with bands too, that can be really awesome, but also you're dealing with the early stages. So you're dealing with, low quantities or low demand or whatever. And you gotta, I guess you gotta try and figure out like how long is that worth it? Or like try and figure out the band's trajectory and see if there's actual growth there and all that stuff too. Um, So, I mean, like we'll go after both for sure. I mean, bands is what I love. It's what I love to do. And um, it's kind of just what's fully ingrained in me. And um, yeah, I feel natural doing that you, you have some bands though that are bigger bands now that you worked with from the beginning right wasn't like wonder years one of those where you kind of yeah. doing stuff for them with them for forever yeah that that's a very strong case of natural growth and and handling them essentially soup to nuts from pretty much the beginning till now um so like in the very beginning i wasn't working with them all the time and then i eventually secured it because i wasn't printing when they first started but mm-hmm. um yeah, that was great. And there's several other bands that 
I grew with as well and, and and things like that. I've definitely lost a fair amount of bands and regained some bands I lost and and stuff like that just because you know we've we've gone through growing pains where we just couldn't do what they wanted us to do or we fell short here or lost something there and um it just is what it is but shit happens basically yeah shit definitely happens and you know you try to handle the situation gracefully and hopefully please the customer but at the end of the day some customers are just never going to come back to you do you have a thing we had this for a while when we were dealing with a lot of bands where it was kind of like an education into so I feel like we had so many new bands that would come to you and just try to immediately skip ahead and go to like what's super popular right now. They would be like, well, we have no money yeah. and we want to pay 50% down or is there any way we can make a deal with this? Cause we have no money, but we also want like a hundred eight color oversized prints front and back and everything else. And it's like, you idiot, like take $150. Like back then I think it was like 150 bucks or something. It was like 150 bucks for a one color on a Heather gray tee buy that so your initial investment is 150 dollars to get into this game into this merch game and then like i literally had it broken down to like okay this should this should be your profits if you're selling a t for 20 bucks then you can take that 150 investment after you sell those shirts and then buy 50 shirts with a two color print on it and then it would yeah. be like okay then after that you can buy this but you're also rebuying the the one color on heather and this and this and then you end up with three designs and x amount of shirts for the just the initial 150 dollars investment yeah like do you ever have anything like that where you kind of try to educate a band like hey i'm not trying to take like i totally could take your money or your in most cases it was take your parents money or yeah, your, yeah, yeah. your tax return and print these shirts for you or like let me teach you how to be a little bit better with your money and then you guys can grow this to a certain point rather than just be like i feel like it's always better to keep a client when you can educate them on the best way to go about it and scale it than to just take their money and then they crash and burn and never come back. Yeah, I know. I, I, I fully agree. And, um, we have done that with bands and other clients as well. Um, the, the problem with that, with bands though, I see sometimes, or even with most people is, you know, they want this cool design. That's a bunch of colors front and back, maybe multiple, multiple locations aside from that. And they only want like 50 of them as everyone's well aware of that. So it's extremely expensive, but that, that's their, that's their vision. That's where they right. want to be. And it's hard to make people have a different vision when they've already got this locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've, t- I've done it with, with clothing lines. We had this clothing line that was starting out um, and they wanted to do like 2000 pieces or something. And they were just starting and they, they came for money. So they had the money, but I was like, I wouldn't feel comfortable just saying yes. Like I will gladly take your money. Like I'll gladly print 2000 pieces of this, but Mm -hmm. I think you should go a different route. I think maybe you should do a pre-orders or do a small run first and then get out to, you know, your tastemakers that you're trying to do and, and actually gauge your demand rather than just printing 2000 off the bat. Like, I think that's a, not a smart idea. I'll gladly do it, but I'd rather work with you for the long haul and not have you burn all your capital here and be done. I've had that many times. That's why I said I feel like it's tax season when the the clothing line people come out of the woodwork. And it, there was this one guy, I think he had like 10 grand to spend or something. He's like, I want to do this. I want to start this clothing line. It was called, I don't want to see what it was called, but it was his last name. That's all it was. It was just his last name. It was like some Italian guy, whatever Gilligan. his last name was. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say it was Gilligan. 
and he fucking wanted it on everything. Like it was just like Times New Roman font, his name across the chest. And he was willing to spend all that money to just be like, I want this on a hoodie. I want this, but I also want like the Italian flag underneath it. I'm just like, dude, I was trying to like be respectful, but also be like, dude, what, what were we saying? That, nah, dude, Andy. Yeah. Nah, dude. <laughs> so it was nah, dude. I was mm-hmm. like, nah, dude. Uh, these Nobody's going to buy these. Like, I'm sorry, but your last name's not that cool and nobody knows about it. So like, why the fuck would they buy these? He had a vision. And he was like right there, ready to give me 10K. And I was just yeah. like, buy him anyway. I, I talked him into getting maybe like a hundred shirts. I was like, mm-hmm. test the waters, dude. Like, yeah. Did he reorder? No, because he didn't sell any. I'm pretty sure he was on Facebook, like giving them away. And I was just like, nobody's going to buy these fucking things, dude. Yeah. 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 I mean, we work on that education with bands to a degree. I mean, I guess it depends on too, um, if it's me dealing with it or someone else. Um, I feel like I've been doing this long enough that some of that comes naturally. And it's hard to put that in your training protocol for someone as well. So See, yeah. here, here at Shirkong, we're the opposite. So you come in and you have this, <laughs> we'll take all your you money. know, yeah, they're, I'm like, Dude, that's that's a sick design. You should probably double <laughs> the your quantity. <laughs> what you say is, you know, you know, you have 10k. Let's use that for the 50 percent deposit. Hey, <laughs> right, right, right. And then when you sell all these other ones, or after you sign this agreement saying that you have to pay the 50, other 50 percent, yeah, you know, we'll figure it out. We're and putting then a just, lien on your house, right? Yeah. Exactly. You're like, Not I really like problem. that car out in the parking lot. <laughs> it's a smart um, way to go yeah, yeah sounds I, I like mean, the andy know, runman way to go it's competition like I, we were talking about earlier and mm-hmm. you gotta you know it's, it's tough stuff out there i guess the other aspect though of uh of training too especially when it comes to bands is is just trying to work on uh deadlines because that's mm-hmm. a not fun aspect we f- we feel like that often merch is a substantial portion of income maybe the most substantial portion for some bands and nowadays yeah we tend to feel like we're the last in the food chain and we're sometimes i mean some bands are really good at it but then some bands are hey this tour starts in four days um can i have this and he's being california too that's like oh god dude like what are you what are you doing to me and they don't even have everything organized so um we try to we try to get in and at least the bands that we're working with consistently try to help train them and trying to build schedules so that they know your designs are due here. Your quotes need to be approved by this time so that we can get everything produced and shipped in time. Yeah. So that's, that's another big aspect of training that we're trying to really hone in on. I think that's something that we, in the works. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. I feel like we talk a lot about our own processes and our own things, but like we don't really ever talk about educating the customer so that, things move more smoothly for them, you know, not just in our own flow. So like, that's something maybe we should all think about. And like I was saying, I used to do that thing for the bands, but why don't I do that now? Like, why don't I do that for every customer? Well, how often yeah. are you doing shop tours? You know, a customer is, yo, that's right. So most of your orders are Most shipping. of mine are all over the place. Yeah. Mm. I'm just because saying if I had like a PDF, time. like a PDF of like, Hey, this is like best practice or like John said, like, if you're a band, here's like a, like a SOP for ordering merch, like plan ahead, like step one, plan ahead, fucking have your designs ready to go by three weeks before you need them. Or, you know, if you need to reorder on tour, make sure you have a 
like a UPS store we can ship to, or you have somebody who's available to pick them up or mm-hmm. like all these things that like you'd literally have a checklist of like, this is, this is the the way to success with ordering merch from cold cuts or whatever, you know, I feel like we could do, we could all do that with any of our customers and maybe they mm-hmm. wouldn't come to us and be like, well, I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know how to order shirts. Like it's not their fault. Like why would they know our industry? Yeah. Absolutely. I don't I, know. I mean, how often do you guys deal with stuff that has uh, like strict timelines and stuff? Oh, I feel like most of the things that, yeah, I feel like a lot of things that we deal with with outside of bands don't have crazy timelines. Yeah. At least most of it doesn't. I mean, it's not always crazy timelines, but I mean, you get people daily that are like, oh, hey, I need these shirts in three days. But like, I don't know if those are necessarily, I'm just talking more for like, good clients that you see like it might be a brewery or uh some big commercial client and they don't know anything other than they're having the hr person order shirts Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah 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 but to just be like hey this is best practices and then they know they're like okay cool like that's how this should be done and then they follow it to the t and it works for you it works for them i mean i'm saying it's some people would be but some people would some would not it might be better for both people yeah what do you think, Andy? You're a processes guy. You just like fuck them, let them come in, and I'll double their take double their money than they were going to come in and spend. I think we are. I would say probably um, a quarter of our business is quick turn, and quick turn I call a week, not not rush, but a week. Standard turnaround is two weeks. Most of it's that, um, but there are some people like on a Monday that say, "Hey, I need shirts for Friday," you know, and so if we have room which everything's coming in waves. Like we talked about, if we have room, we'll do it. And there's no rush fee or anything. It's like, Hey, I appreciate you actually giving us an order. This is, this is a good thing. Um, I think there are times though, where, you know, if we're super busy and they want to, they want a, a quick turn on an order or a rush that most of the time we accept it and just charge them a rush fee unless um, it's going to, and I, and I want to re- like, specify this we set expectations though so it's not like if somebody comes in here and says hey i need shirts in two days i let them know like hey this may not happen like we're going to order the shirts they yeah. probably most likely will show up but if they don't for some reason that's like that's out of our hands if the shirts are here we print them for you um and so I, I let them know that because we've been burned before like sure we'll we'll turn this in two days or three days or whatever and then the shirts go missing and then they're mad at us so um, I don't know. I think processes, I think educating your customer, I think making that PDF for a band, they probably wouldn't read it. I think that if you made a music video, there you go. So you could. Or had a phone call. Had a, yeah. Sang it to him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think if you just, yeah, maybe had a phone call that might work. I don't see them. I don't see many of our customers like in our quote in our, when we send out quotes, we'll have these like little bullet points at the bottom, like about reorders and stuff. And they'll still like two weeks later say, Hey, I need four more shirts. And they're like, Oh, you know, it's going to cost like, Oh, you never told me that. And it's in there. Like we showed them that we can. Yeah. But I feel like that's the fine print on something that they're just looking at. Like if they're looking at a mock-up, they're just going to look at that real quick. They're not knowing that they should read the whole thing. But if I send them in a PDF that says like screen print order, best practices that has nothing to do with their mock-up has nothing to do with anything else. Like, I'm more looking at it as some people will read it, but also 
it gives me peace of mind of knowing I did everything in my power to give them all the information I could give them. Maybe if it was short and sweet, it would probably work. Yeah. Or had colorful, yeah. bright pictures. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I see I don't working, know, I understand. So, John, back to your story. I don't want to gloss over all your shit. I, you're not just here to listen to us. Um, you, <laughs> you, you did the band. You're a successful hardcore band. You're traveling all over the place. You start printing shirts. Uh, when do you go from there to having a set place? Uh, yeah, so I guess I started um, I started in my mom's garage and I was printing there for uh, probably about 16, 18 months, something like that. And then I moved because I upgraded my equipment and I couldn't fit everything in there anymore with her car in there because that needed to happen. So it wouldn't all fit. So I had to find another spot and I started running at a practice spot. Um, I, I basically rented a second room next to where we would practice. It was like 200 bucks a month, no utilities or anything. So it was pretty sweet. And uh, it was above a sandwich mill, a sandwich shop. And I would print when they were closed. So I'd print all night. I'd basically start at like eight or 10 at night and go until eight in the morning, mostly. And I would do everything up there and and run it all and be dragging boxes from my house because I couldn't get anything shipped there. So all my supplies and everything would get delivered to the house. I'd drive it all over there. Uh, in the beginning, I was even carting screens back and forth until I set up in an old bathroom there. Um, but I ran up, ran up there for probably another 16, 18 months, something like that, until it was May of 2010 when I officially got my LLC and started running warehouse space. So, but it was still me by myself at that point. And then I started with uh, 754 square feet and had just my manual in there, me by myself. Six months later, I was facilitating the purchase of an automatic and had like four employees and moving to the other side of the park. And that's where I've been ever since. So I just took more and more space as I needed it. Yeah, it was like when I came to visit you, you were kind of separated and you had... How many how many spots do you have to, in total? In, is it just it, two it, spots or is it multiple spots together? Uh, no, it um on paper it's four. It's four spots. Right, but you had say what two on one side and then a total new d- different business in between you. Yeah. And then your other two spots? No, yeah, it was three in the one spot together cuz the one is a front and a rear. It was, it was it was subdivided to be a front spot a space and a rear space and then the one next to it and then there's that business between me and then I'm on the end too. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. was what, like a, like a fire something company or yeah, emergency vehicle repair. So they fix fire trucks all the time. <laughs> Imagine that Andy having your shop, but then in between your shop is a totally different business. We almost did that here and decided not to, that would be too hard. And then luckily the person in the middle left first. And so we took that spot. Um, we I've actually had offered- that luxury. Well, we even offered, you know, money for them to leave <laughs> incentive and still it was a no. And they just did on their own one day and we're like, boom, we took it. Yeah, they want they want their own spot bad because they want a spot that has higher ceilings. Though. They they want 36 foot ceilings so they can extend the ladder inside because mm-hmm. right now they have to go outside in the parking lot and extend the ladder. And I mean, they're big, they're big fire trucks and their yeah. sirens will go off and the horns will go off and. Uh, one time they accidentally dumped the whole water holding tank and it went all under the wall into our side. So that was cool. 
Did it ruin um, anything? Uh, no. It, it, thankfully, we learned and we put things on skids prior to that because one time it was oil that came under the wall. So, um, yeah, we learned from that and we keep everything on skids. Nice. So, yeah, still, still frustrating though. Yeah, is what it so is. So you though. have not just production though; you have a lot of fulfillment going on. So correct. Yeah, talk about talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So when I guess in 2010, when I became officially a business, I decided to start doing a web store as well, and I started just selling bands merch online, uh, making agreements with them, and it just grew and grew and grew. And um, now I do like multiple fulfillment sites we 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 handle a bunch of different stores um and it's become some beast of its own that yeah. i absolutely love so it's cool which to do full funny. package yeah i was gonna say which was funny because it seems like a lot of people do screen printing but then they offer fulfillment as like a thing that they feel that they have to do to be competitive in their market but you love fulfillment yeah and i'll often tell other screen printers I'm like let me do your fulfillment you can just send it to me print the shit mail it to me and i'll, I'll ship it out yeah why what do you like about it why why fulfillment uh i i'm i think it was rooted from when i was in the band because i was doing my own web store stuff and i was printing stuff through another company getting it selling it online packaging it and shipping it myself i would even i would even bring it on tour like i had separate stock that was online store stock and i kept it in a different box in the trailer and i brought a printer and and my laptop and i would set up at shows and in the back and just go online and print shipping labels and mail stuff from the road. Uh, like, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. It's, mm-hmm. it's something I've always loved to do. Yeah. You had, you had rows and rows and rows of stuff when I came to see you, but you also had, and this is something we didn't get to talk about last time, which I, I thought was a fascinating story is you also started kind of getting into other businesses too. One was, what was it? Uh, was it video games or movies? Yeah, video games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I started collecting video games again in the early 2010s or whatever. And one of my other friends was doing it as well, but he was buying them just to flip them. And so at first I was just buying them to build my collection. And then he and I started going in together uh, because I, w- I was like, I'll buy a bunch of games just to get the few that I don't have and then I'll sell the rest. But then I just decided to sell them all instead. And we just started a company selling vintage video games. And it did pretty well for a while. Um, but it was a partnership and that didn't work out. Like, I feel like a lot of partnerships don't. And uh, now I just have a ton of video games that I am still trying to put online. So we, we shut you... down in 2019, which was probably the worst time to shut down. Because if we had waited like six more months, it would have probably been humongous. Yeah. Did you have a physical location for all that stuff? Yeah, so I, we were running it out of here. Um, where my embroidery is right now was originally where that was. It was called Off the Charts. Well, technically still is called Off the Charts, but it's not online. So that's where we did it there. And then Cold Cuts kept expanding, and that was getting bigger. So we rented another suite um, a few doors down and eventually moved to another side of, the, side of the park as well. And then we got a physical location that was like right next door to where I was printing out of that sandwich shop. And we had that for a while. And then I guess one time the basement flooded and it got real bad. And then the partnership got real bad and it just ended. So everything got real bad all real fast. Yeah. yeah. Did that business have anything to do with the arcade business or is that a totally separate thing? The arcade business is, um, 
more it's a completely separate thing uh it's not so much a business the other one was actually like officially a business the arcade thing is just like a little pocket change but my friend and i got kind of obsessed with buying arcade games and we would just find them on craigslist and drive out there and take my van and trailer and just load up arcade games that people were selling for cheap and at one point i think i had like 40 in my warehouse just like all over the place and we and well, we you have I, some all over the place now i still have them all over the place not 40 of them um but there was uh there was a few times where when off the charts was still doing its thing and i wasn't at max capacity with cold cuts we set up video games everywhere and we would have video game tournaments and have people come and uh, give out prizes and stuff and people could play these arcade games and like every system was set up that existed and it was it was it was awesome this was at fun. the shop yeah it was at the shop yeah <laughs> but now it's all filled up and i yeah. there's no way we could do that now but well we were talking when we were there you were kind of running out the arcade games to certain places yeah so that's what we started doing is uh one of my friends used to run a miniature golf place in the city and he took a few down there and we would just it was the deal was we'll bring the game there and we just split the profit so we would split the profit 50 50 whatever came in so they didn't have to pay for any rental but you know we just got to get money and make money off of it and we used to have a uh, one of those jurassic park lost world games like the sit down rider one like oh, the yeah. crazy one and we had that there when like jurassic park dominion came out and it was it crushed it would it would do like I don't know. We'd empty it out. And I think it would do like 300 bucks a month or something crazy like that for like an arcade game. So in quarters, um, in quarters. Yeah. There's a lot of rolling <laughs> and counting. So um, he would like drop off a bin of quarters and be like, can you roll these? And I would roll them for like an hour that night and then never get back to it. And he'd come pick it up like a month and a half later and just be like, I'll handle this. Was it, was it worth rolling them instead of going to like Coinstar or something and swapping it out? uh i mean i guess so i mean coinstar takes that fee and he was yeah. trying to avoid that yeah um so i don't know he did he he did all that side of things still does and we still have some arcade games in like this brewery down in neshaminy uh the mini golf place closed but we have a couple arcade games in the brewery in neshaminy and we would also find people that wanted to buy them and we would find them or he would find them and fix them up and repair them, and flip them. yeah yeah, yeah. Cause he's real good at all that stuff. He knows how to well, do that's like, what I was trying to get you there. to do with time crisis. Dude, it's in the, I told you it's in the <laughs> container. I'll break it out when you're coming back. Fuck yeah. I'm coming back to play. I'm coming back so we can get fucking subs and we'll uh, play some time crisis all day. That's, that's, I feel like that needs to happen. Yeah. I, I definitely got it. That thing's ratchet strapped in that shipping container though. So I got to <laughs> break it out. Um, Andy, did you have, you had some stuff we were talking about in pregame that you wanted to talk about. Do you have anything ready to go? Um, yeah, I have a couple things. One is how important do you think it is to spend time with your biggest clients? And when I say time, I mean, I don't know, maybe once a quarter or maybe twice a year or at least once a year. You know, how important is it to... So like yesterday we went and met with one of our biggest clients and we, I want to say we were there for three hours and it wasn't, it was in their factory. So it wasn't like we were in some neutral place, you know, having lunch or something like that where we can just shoot the shed. It was like more business 
than anything, but it it did so much good. Like it was, it was great to hear feedback about how we're doing. And it was great to give feedback to them. Just, you know, really honest because everyone that we were there with, we met a few people and that we hadn't been working with before. And they were, they like cared so much about their job. And we didn't know that. Like when you're out, like, I guess when you're on the outside looking in, sometimes you fill in the blanks and you're like, you know, you have these conclusions that could be wrong. Like, you know, why do they do this like that or whatever? What are they, they don't know what they're doing or, you know, or maybe you just are trying to figure out like a puzzle and you're taking guesses and getting it wrong. And so we met with them yesterday and I thought to myself, like when we were coming back, I, I just thought like, man, we should be doing this way more, you know, with a lot of our top clients because it was incredibly healthy Builds for me and my too. team, it, it builds a relationship, which is really good in our team here. Like everybody really got along with them. And so it it creates just a better working relationship, like a day, every day working relationships. I, I was just curious, like, do you do, you know, like, do you guys do that? And how important do you think it is? Yeah, I mean, I, I, how just I'm curious, how far away are they from you? And how many people did you take? Uh, so there were, th I took two people. There were three of us there was probably five on their team and they are 25 minutes drive okay. yeah cool. but a lot of your big clients are all in st louis right like you could actually schedule like lunch meetings with those people we could yeah i would say that's true yeah yeah i think we started doing that last year where i wanted to have like a zoom call with all of our big clients at least once a year where I'd be like, be straight up with us. Like I would say that I'd just be like, tell us everything that you don't like. Like, what are your concerns? What are things that you wish were better? Um, and not, not to say we were doing anything wrong, but like if we thought that our normal 10 to 15 business day turnaround was normal and they were like, well, the one thing we don't like about you is we wish we had everything in seven days, which was what mm -hmm. we had for a brewery that we do in California, they were like, oh, we wish we had everything in seven days. We're getting it in 15 business days. So like almost double, but I'm like, yeah, we print it in seven days and then it ships for another yeah. five days. Like, yeah. so I told them because they're such a good customer, I was like, well, I, I told them, I was like, well, what I would like to do for you is do more of a white glove service where every time you order, we print your stuff on like the three or four business day mark. So that when you do get it, you're getting it on the 10th business day or whatever else. So it was just stupid stuff like that where like all we had to do is sit down and have a conversation and we made things way better for them. They made stuff better for us because there were certain things that, you know, ordering wise or artwork wise or whatever that, you know, they just never bothered to ask and we never bothered to ask and we had time to sit down and talk about it. So I agree with you. I think I think at least it should be a one time a year thing with your your 80 20, you know, clients that are giving you most of their money. So yeah, I I agree with that completely. Um most of my clients being bands, I try to go out to the shows when they come through town uh if they're not locals. So I'm often attending those shows and hanging out with them at the shows and stuff like that and I guess that's kind of the same kind of deal. Um, and it's usually a, it's usually a very chill atmosphere, you know? So that's generally what I do. And I mean, it helps that I love going to shows. So, um, that's did what you go to a show yesterday. I did. Yeah. Was it seal? It was seal. <laughs> it was seal. Look at that seal. sick seal shirt. 
seal like like kissed by a rose seal seal. yes seal yes okay so you know he killed he isn't killed he is one of the best vocalists in the world like how can you like make fun of that i'm not making fun i just was blown away when i saw john story that he was at a fucking seal Mm -hmm. concert hell yeah (laughs) Yeah. you do well you do his merch no i don't do his merch where where was it in philly yeah yeah it was at the met in philly pretty lavish venue were you like on the floor too uh no i was i was on the side like he was in the pit you know like throwing kicks you're the pit area it's all seating there though it's weird it's all seating (laughs) until you got there until i got there you started throwing (laughs) elbows yeah it was lots of um uh a lot of it was mainly like i would 50 say 50 and up moms for sure 50 and up um adults that were probably out for their night on the town um and do they would cut and then you certain certain yeah and me yeah <laughs> so it was awesome it was really good he killed it he went in the crowd a lot man of the people for sure well that was the picture you posted he was like on a platform in the middle he, of a scene no he's standing on someone's chair oh really yeah it's just <laughs> arms up it was like did it he, was like his cover pose. <laughs> did he play? Um, was on his set list the song "Crazy"? Yes, you know that yeah. song. Yeah, I dig that song. It, I mean, it's from like the '80s or whatever. And yeah, that was really good. Maybe in the '90s. I just I See, I was you should like, have been there. Yeah, I just didn't <laughs> expect it at all. It threw me off a little bit. It was it was really good. I, as soon as I saw. Because uh, one of my friends was on the tour, um, and as soon as I saw him announce that he was doing that tour, I was like, "Dude, I got, I got to go to that." <laughs> so he made it happen. Yeah, it was good. All right, but so yeah. yeah, we all are. On, I guess we're all on the same page. Yeah, we need to get out, and I think maybe we know this, but knowing it and doing it are, you know, like those are different things. It's very hard to get out and and go out and do that sort of stuff. Like I said, I think for, for us specifically, and I know there's a lot of shops like doing what we do, um, just set up a room that has a webcam and a TV and everything and mm-hmm. just have a virtual meeting if you can't get out there. And yeah, it, it we'll just take just a trip. Yeah, you know, there's a couple a times too that we, um, we, because we dealt with managers, there's a couple times where I've, I've done like, you know, a, a day trip to New York or a trip to LA and just done several days and, both those areas just as to meet with different people that we work with so yeah um, like a traveling sales rep yeah yeah um but you know just meeting with managers and talking with them and getting the lay of the land and you know meeting with shops too that i'm friends with so a lot of that stuff has happened throughout the years and it's good you know i'd like to do it more but and that's kind of what i've used to try and squeeze into my trips to like long beach or something so yeah visit some places while you're out there yeah, like I went there several times and where I hung out with nobody but people I work with. And like I'd be at the shows like knowing nobody but my reps and suppliers. And I feel like that's changing for me, which is cool. Because I would hear you guys talk about how you're like hanging out with all these people from shops. I'm like, I've never done that. That's it's that's so weird. Fun. But so yeah, it's, it's it it changes my perspective on it for sure. Mm-hmm. It makes it a cooler trip in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Andy? Yes, sir. Hypothetical? Hypothetically speaking, and this is a very important one. You I love have the opportunity. Slow builds. <laughs> <laughs> pause, pause for. Well, I have to think of how I'm going to put it exactly. 
but this is very, very important, I think. It's going to be worded um, better than that chat GPT question for sure. I got one of those coming, although it's um, going to be a very spontaneous one. So Great. here we go. Ready? You have an opportunity to get either a GT4, that's right, Gauntlet 4, or a digital squeegee at no cost. Which one do you choose? G4. Definitely the G4. What? I don't have the machine to put the digital squeegee on, so I'd have to buy another machine. You can mm. buy, get the G4 and then buy the digital squeegee yeah. for more than what you bought the G4 for. Digital squeegee um, sounds cool, but I would want a, an 18 or 20 color press for sure. Right. Okay. So, but like Dylan and I said earlier, we're the kids of America. Like we're the future. <laughs> Maybe more so you guys, but you, you guys, guys are the no future. idea what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I wasn't there pregame. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like, don't you know, we talked about this already. Well, knowing that the future is coming as it always does. And you already have screen printing presses like currently. I feel like my, those. I feel like if I'm honest, my opinion changed about digital. I don't over have the space. last year or two. I feel like I was all gung ho of like, yeah, I'm going to get a DS. And now I'm just like, I don't want one. I had a quote and everything. Like I was ready to pull the trigger and get one. And now I'm like, nah, like I would rather do. You're, you're like, nah, dude. Is that the I'm like, nah, one? dude. Yeah. I think I'm more like, I would rather dedicate the screen printing presses to screen printing. <laughs> and then if something comes along, that's more of a digital style print. I'll just order DTF and I'll just run it on the fucking heat presses. Oh, very different. Very different though. So I was at, you know, I was at that thing. I know, I know. Week, but... And you weren't and it's come a long way. And so it feels, it definitely feels like way closer to a screen print than a DTF. And you have this option to right now, because you have a press that you could put. You have this option to buy this press for four. No, no, no. You're not buying it. You're not buying it. You're not buying it. It's free. So, hey, Dylan. Congra Congratulations. You just won either a GT4 or a digital squeegee, and you choose the gauntlet. Can I switch out the, the digital squeegee for a Polaris instead? <laughs> you can buy three or four digital squeegees for the price right. of a, Pol a Polaris. Well, is a press. Can I get that for free? Okay, so pretend you can. So you can flip it and buy it. And you, you can't flip it. No, there's no flipping it. There's no flipping it. You have to keep it. You have to sign what if I the did thing. That for one one year. No. What if for I did that thing years. like the, those kids do on YouTube, where they they start off with a baseball card and they end up with like a Ferrari? Yeah, because they, they trade up. Yeah. There used to be a TV show about that. <laughs> well, so on the just keep, jet ski or something. Can I just keep trading up my DS to get a Polaris instead? Um, on the office, Jim traded dwight for a magic jumping bean you know because he pretended it was you know you don't watch the office so talk to me about a show okay fine 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 here we go i'm gonna i'm gonna change this up again so you can get well this is too easy uh, no it's not too easy this is still relevant you can buy you can get your choice is now a polaris or three gauntlet fours <laughs> is this like space aside <laughs> Yes. This You've is, got the space. This is never going to happen anyways. No. no one's ever given us that for free. This has got this has gone <laughs> off the rails. So I know yes, but so let's let's go back to the original this new Gauntlet 4 is coming I think out. I it's think sick. the 
I think the what you're getting at is do you go with the biggest, baddest new screen printing press or the biggest, baddest new digital press? Exactly right. And here's why. Because the digital squeegee can output the same quality with less screens and less space than a gauntlet for an 18 color gauntlet four. Now here you are investing because they're very simple. They're very close in price. I understand a new 18 color gauntlet four, and you can output, you can make 10 fucking screens, 12 screens, whatever you want four flashes and just go ham on it. Or you can have this digital squeegee that can achieve even more colors than an 18 color gauntlet four. You can do whatever you want. So, and that's the future, right? And it's fast. I, can I say the thing that nobody, I guess not nobody wants to say, but like, it's easier. The thing that turns me off about all the digital stuff is I don't know how, I don't know how it's made. I don't know its inner workings. I can't troubleshoot the problems it creates. Like I can't, if it's a print head or some digital thing or some weird file or some this mm -hmm. or that, I can't fucking fix it. Okay, but if I so have a print, like, if I have the capability of doing an 18 color print on a screen printing press, mm. I right now know the problem. I know mm. that this screen is bad. I can tweak the artwork. I could mix a different color ink. Like I know how to work the problem on a digital machine. I don't like, dude, I was so fucking frustrated working on that. eye image the other day because I don't fucking know. Like, I just don't know what the problem is. And I have to rely on some tech who doesn't do. know either. Right. But I'm just saying I have to rely on some other human to just be like, I'm not there. Let me try to work the problem with you on the phone for a week straight. Like if I had that G4, I could be like, cool, well, let's just burn a couple more screens and we'll get this job done. And it's not trying to get to the quality of what I'm already doing. I'm doing the quality that I want anyway. So my real gut answer, if I wasn't trying to be like, oh, yeah, I want the biggest, baddest new technology would be to do the G4 because I know how to work it. Well, I and have I'm, a few questions about okay. some of this stuff. Now, these are things I don't truly know. So if you're doing a print with the digital squeegee, how many screens do you need? I heard you need like at least three. You need multiple, multiple whites and like a clear coat. A clear coat, yeah. Mm. Okay, so your bare minimum is still four, right, for anything. And then you got your digital aspect. I mean, you need a big machine. Um, I think the digital squeegee is cool, but uh, so are you doing like, if you were doing it, like, I, I guess. There's depends. other, things, there's other things with it though, that people don't talk about that much because they don't want to like talk about the downsides, but it's, you need the downsides. other thing is like, you need, you need multiple sets of pallets just to do t-shirts because you can't have the seams on the pallet because the head will strike it. So if you had like an extra small T loaded on a normal size pallet, the collar, I just punched my microphone, the collar and the shoulder seams are on the pallet and it won't let you print well because it'll head strike the mm -hmm. seam. Yeah. So if you're doing a smaller set of shirts, you need to load a smaller set of pallets. And then when you go up to a bigger size shirt, you need to whatever. You're still there's going. some people that I talk to that have it where they're like, oh, well, I just like raise it up a certain amount. But the more you raise it up, the lower the quality goes. Yeah, the more the it's not at that refined point. Right. So that's where I'm just like, well, that sucks. Like, you don't think about that. But then it's also like, well, I live in this state and you're going to need to put up a Coleman tent over your DS because you have to have a Mr. Cool and a tent and everything else so that everything's humidity and temperature controlled. 
And so you don't think about those variables. And then all that aside, if you're not a technical whiz to fucking work the thing, you're relying on somebody else if you're down. Yeah. I mean, it sounds awesome. I mean, I definitely think it could be a part of my future. I just think right now I'd benefit more from a gauntlet four. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm also not trying to knock it. Like, I think it's fucking awesome. I just, me personally, like, I don't know. I feel like I was at a point where I was like, yeah, I should get this and I should go all in with this digital thing. And then I feel like most of my clients don't necessarily need that i just found a solution that worked for the high color okay low minimum stuff um i would just throw it on my absent yeah there you go devil's advocate here you know you just described problems with the digital squeegee like i don't know how to run it or whatever but how much time does it take when you put up a nine color ten color job and you got to switch out two inks because it you know you have your colors and you know add that up i mean i'm not saying that the digital squeegee you know out of the gate is perfect you know every time i'm sure there's going to be issues where you have to tweak something but you know you can what's neat about it and what i saw when we were there is that let's say that on your digital squeegee and the players is the same thing um you you do your first test print and you look at it and you say oh well i missed the red mist well you can then send over us hundred swatches of red uh, how you're going to change it you can say oh, i want to do i want to add da, 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 whatever you want to add or subtract as far as your red you send that for your next test and you look at it and then you can choose which red you want oh that's the red i'm trying to go for and then you just plug that into your design and then go you're good so like i would say you could probably correct color correct in five minutes or less because you have an immediate like here we're like just happened to like i want to say two days ago like, oh, we need to change out that brown, but it didn't hit right. And so I think it needs to more be more green. And we had to try and pick a green, you know, like a brown that had more green in it and then mix it and then cross our fingers that it fucking, when we put it on an underbase, looked right. You know, whereas the digital squeegee, you can I just fully, put out of swatches, you know. I fully thing. agree with all that. I think all that stuff is awesome. I'm just not fucking technically smart enough with <laughs> computers and shit so like that. So hire somebody like, that yeah. is. Hire somebody, yeah. But then you're smarter than somebody. You. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, but I'm just saying that's like it's a whole nother thing. Like it's a whole nother world. That's it's what not it was screen be. printing anymore. It's a digital thing. I'm down with I digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it's coming. I think that it's, you know, I agree. We are. Like I'm not, I really am not trying to knock it. I just, I'm gut telling you my real feelings right now. And I like not having the stress of, Oh fuck! I'm out of my element here. I do think DTF has slowed it down, potentially, but I think it's all still coming. DTF is still digital though, so. But I think sure. that's also a thing too, where like that's getting better constantly. Like they're going to come yeah. out with a better software white. They're going to come out with better everything for that, and that's going to turn into a thing where, like I said, like what's the difference between setting up four screens and this and this and running the DS when you can have, say, maybe one, two, three uh dual pneumatic heat presses where you're pressing one for 10 seconds and then you're off to the next one in 10 seconds time 10 seconds. probably i think that yeah, you're, but you're faster on press you know yeah um i don't know and also feels way closer to a, a screen print it's i don't know dtf i love i i went all in on dtf we have three 
um, you know, shuttle presses and we do it all the time. I just think that, you know, right now where we're at in our shop, where we have three autos, I think that adding an auto, like if I had the opportunity and somebody said, Hey, you know, you can either have a, a brand new auto, an incredible auto that allows you to go spin once almost always, or a digital squeegee, it would be, I would be torn. It'd be a very difficult decision. I, if you asked me a year ago, I would say all day Press. gauntlet, all day gauntlet, yeah. not even a question in my mind, but just knowing what's around the corner um, and coming pretty fast. I want to be there. Like I want to be pushing the envelope because wouldn't it be cool to get the digital squeegee now, learn all of that stuff. A few years from now, you're going to, you're not going to be in the position you are of like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, you would know then. And know. then you're going to get the next technology. Like it would be easy. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be a digital squeegee 4,000 or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's why I'm glad I'm in DTG right now. You know, there's definitely been a handful of jobs recently that we've just put on DTG because someone wanted 59 color prints. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to digitally print these and they look sick. What are you doing so, that with a uh, brother or what? No, I got, I got a, a an Epson. Okay. So it's pretty yeah. sick. Yeah. You had multiple different machines. Yeah. There, I got right? corn eats too. I'm trying to dump them though. <laughs> not, not excited about it. Corn eats changed my opinion on DTG 100%. I used to hate DTG before I saw the corn eats in like 2015 or something. Um, they certainly changed that, but then we got into it and I just got my gripes with that company and it is what it is. Uh, but they also make it very, very easy to learn how to use DTG because of their all-inclusive setup. You but, mean it's like pre-treats in the same machine or whatever? Yeah, it makes it super easy. And that was a learning curve a bit exiting that. I mean, it wasn't a, a stark learning curve by any means. It was pretty easy to to get past it. But, you know, you got to then pre-treat it and dry it and then heat press it and then load it and you got to do it all in the same exact spot. Mm -hmm. So a little bit different. It took some, it took some getting used to, but yeah, it's, I, I definitely love that digital space. We do a lot of DTG, um, especially for the web store. So it's cool. It's, it was something that was very easy for me to integrate into our daily mm -hmm. production routine. What would you upgrade to if you had a, a budget and you got what you wanted digital wise, what would you get right now? Um, I mean, just most more of what we, yeah, probably more Epsons. I mean, like the idea of doing the that like Aeon is crazy that that three bridge Aeon or whatever that thing's cool. Um, I forget what that other one is. There, there's the one that's like the Polaris, but it's not them. I forget what it's called, but um, those kind of machines are really awesome too. I like how fast they are and yeah. how dynamic it is for loading designs. Uh, and in re reality too, it's, I feel like if we had one of those machines, we could probably get more output on a daily basis than we do some days right now, just because it, it takes time. You know, there's only so many 50 piece jobs you can set up a day. If we had a lot of higher runs, a lot of the time, I feel like we would crush digital, but output some days is just down just due to the fact that there's so many setups. So but I, I guess the downside for those digital machines, though, is when it comes to the different types of garments. So you're, I don't think they do poly too well. Most of them don't, at least. And then 
you start getting the nylon, it's definitely not doing that. So yeah, more restrictions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to try to dive into some of these listener questions again. I know we did these already, but, uh, maybe you can tweak your answer a little bit or give hey, they don't know we did them. Yeah, they don't know. Uh, maybe tomorrow says, uh, please tell me you're charging rush fees based, uh, rush fees because we have had multiple management companies pass the order by date, ultimately passing on our service because now the order required a rush fee. At some point we all need to get on the same page. Yeah, so my thoughts on this are, I guess, dependent totally on the relationship with that client. Uh, if if it's a client that we do everything for, I feel like we're in a relationship with them, we're committed to them, and we're trying to get them merch for their shows. And I don't want to penalize them if they've done too well. It doesn't make sense to me. If it's a client that we only ever use for their rush or last minute restocks on the road, and they're not going to come back to us for their future tours, then... I'll absolutely charge them rush fees. That's kind of where I land with that. Um, I used to not do that. And I just felt like I was shoehorning things in and shifting around schedules and pissing off other clients or whatever and burning out my people just to not make money and not deal with them again in the future. So it just didn't make sense. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. I love that answer. I like it. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip a question just to do the independent uh, print shop question from Brandon. Uh, He says, since you're dealing primarily with merch for bands, what kind of turnarounds do you guarantee for tour restocks? Uh, we don't really guarantee anything. It's just kind of as quick as we can. We will utilize a lot of different shipping methods to get things faster. Or if need be, I may have to even utilize a different print shop to get something faster. Um, but, you know, it's all relative to where the blanks are coming from if they have to be ordered in um and i guess what our schedule demands but we will absolutely shift around once again to accommodate those clients that we do everything for so usually we'll try and get it done as fast as we possibly can Hmm. um but there's there's no guarantees though we don't guarantee anything yeah um night owl says uh what is your craziest story on getting merch to a client uh, yeah, this is the one where I have a few different uh, answers to this one. Uh, so one of the, I don't know how crazy they actually are. I guess it depends on like what you determine is crazy. But the, the, the fun ones for me have been, there was one where uh, I printed for this band that played a festival in Philly and they basically sold out of everything that they had. And they had to fly to L.A. in the morning to play another festival the next day. And they came up to me and said, we sold out of everything. Is there any way you can get us stuff from like the shop or whatever? And I asked my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and I said, hey, is there any way I can go to the shop after the show? And she was like, yeah. So I went back to the guys. I said, listen, if two of you come with me, we can print tonight and I'll take you to the airport in the morning. So we went back to the shop. I burned a couple screens and. I keep a lot of blanks in stock, so I was able to pull some things and we printed for several hours and then they wound up like sleeping on my floor for a couple hours until I drove them to the airport at like six in the morning. So that was a fun one. Uh, and then there was another time where this band hit me up who I had not worked with previously. They were stuck in Philly because of a snowstorm and they their merch also was in transit to them. It was supposed to arrive in Philly because of the snowstorm. Everything got delayed. 
So they had nothing. They had nothing. And they had a big show in New York the next day and they had like no merch. So they asked me if there was any way that we could produce stuff. Um, and I had no one in, in the shop that day. Everyone was was gone. I told everyone to not come in because there was so much snow. And there was only one one person here, a sales rep. So uh wound up hitting up some of my guys and saying, hey, is there any way you would want to come in tonight? And a few people agreed. So they wound up running some shift like 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. And they got, I think, four jobs done, 200 pieces each. And the band came at like 9 a.m. and picked it all up in their bus and headed to New York. And then I wound up working with them for about a decade after that. That's awesome. So, yeah, that was a really that's good how one. You, that's how you get that client for forever. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's just been like a whole bunch of random ones within the past I don't know, six months or so where I'll get hit up on a Friday uh, to have merch in like Buffalo uh, the next day, like Saturday night. And I had to figure out how to get it done. And usually I wind up getting it done, you know, either pulling a early morning Saturday shift or sourcing to another shop. But, you know, I have couriers that I use all the time for that kind of stuff, too. So it's easy for us to finish up a job at, at 11 in the morning and then have it driven somewhere to be there by seven at night. So that's the kind of stuff that I love pulling that stuff off. So it feels good. It feels like you're like winning at a video game or something at that point. Like you conquered it and got it done. Yeah. Yeah. We do. We do a lot of that plane shipments too. So uh, able to get stuff places super fast um, and like on weekends and everything too, which is way outside the norm of anything like UPS. Yeah. Driving it to the airport. Yep. Oh yeah. It's awesome um that's all i got uh do do you have any questions for us or are you ready for quick takes uh i'm ready for quick takes okay quick take andrew Andrew? number one yes two presses or ten presses uh i mean that i've heard that with this one several times in the past obviously um I feel like I'd like the challenge of 10 presses, but I'm already at two presses and I feel like that's nice and already challenging at times. So I'll stick with two presses. Good man. Two presses with digital squeegees. Uh, they would be two big presses. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Beecher Mountain Ranch Vacation. Beach or mountain ranch vacation? Yeah. Um, mountain ranch. I'm not much of a beach guy either. I mean, I just go to the beach way more than I go to the mountains and ranches. Oh. So, Do you go in the water? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't go in the water. Well, then... Well, probably not why a beach is not great yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I may know the answer to this next question. Would you rather get bit by a shark... Or a snake? Uh, I mean, I'd probably rather get bit by a snake, but I guess it yeah, but a shark's not kind. poisonous. No, but a shark could take your leg off. Yeah, but a snake could take your leg off or kill you. Yeah, but not if it's a gardener snake. You're not being yeah, specific. Yeah, <laughs> you're picking. Are we talking about baby snake? A one foot snake, or we're talking a white about bird? a we're talking about anaconda or a great white? <laughs> I mean, neither. Both are dead. <laughs> I mean. One took out Ice Cube, right? Right. So, <laughs> I guess I'll, I don't know, unless man. You're, unless you're J-Lo. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
it depends on the severity, but I would probably rather, I mean, I guess, I guess shark bite, if you're talking anaconda, truly an anaconda, yeah. probably get shark bite. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, are there any good shows or movies that you're watching right now? Yes, always. Um, I'm not watching uh, movies, really. I, I mean, I guess what I've your answer movies. was last time. You had a weird show or something you were watching. Yeah, uh, so The Good Doctor is a yeah. show that we've been watching. I think that just ended. Um, watching Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. That's been a fun one. And then uh, Succession. Oh, all right. We've been doing a lot of uh, like basketball on lunch. Like me and Bill and Brian have been going to the court up here for lunch. And today I hit the Chris was standing in like the dock doorway and I was trying to get him to jump in the car to go with us. And I was like, come on, ball is life. Like I kept saying ball yeah. is life instead of football is, is life or whatever. But I threw out a little Ted Lasso today. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, we've been cool. watching some movies too. We watched a... Uh, uh, weirdly enough, I feel like they've been all Gr- John Grissom novels into film, like The Firm and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. What happened? I can't remember what happened in Ted Lasso when the guy who's the football is life guy, he did something and then he got really depressed. Did he kill somebody accidentally or he kicked the ball and what happened again? He didn't kill somebody on accident. He missed the, uh, what is it? I don't know anything about sports, but he had that thing where it's just him and the goalie. You know what I'm talking about, where you have to make the shot, and he missed it. No, I think he did. Some, I think you're talking about something different. Um, I can't remember what it was though. He kicked a kid. He, he was like super depressed for a whole episode. Didn't he kick the ball into a kid or something? I think that maybe what it, from that goal. I think like he missed it and kicked a kid. Or no, oh, did he hit something. the dog? A dog. The, the yeah, dog. yeah, 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 yeah. The mascot the or something. Yeah, like the that. mascot. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was and then he's like, football is not life. Like, he was yeah, super yeah. depressed. <laughs> super sad. Mm. Yeah, my favorite character is definitely uh, Roy Kent. I think he's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty good. All uh, right, Andy, last question. What is for dinner? Uh, I have no idea. Um, hopefully something. My it's Friday, made. though, so it's got to be like, you do, do you do like pizza Friday or something at your house? Uh, some some nights when she doesn't want to make anything, but um, I'll probably go home and it'll probably be if she doesn't hit me up sometime soon to get food, it'll probably be just she'll make a pizza out of the freezer for the kids mm-hmm. and I'll grab a couple slices of that or something. But mm-hmm. probably nothing uh, too crazy, but I got to get some Mother's Day stuff going, I think. Yeah, yeah. same. I get the kids on uh, Friday, so usually it's when I leave work, I stop and get pizza and wings, and they're already at my apartment, like, playing video games. So I'm the dad who shows up with, like, oh, my God, there's food, pizza and wings or whatever. So that's my yeah, I think my Friday. son is I think my son's not eating pizza yet. Or he goes through stages where he's like, I don't like that. I'm like, what is wrong My with daughter eats pizza without cheese. She takes all the cheese off. You should trigger with a boardwalk pizza one time. Well, the thing is, I tried to get her that like they make like that sauce pizza, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is exactly for you. Like this, there's no fucking cheese on this. It's literally just tomato sauce. Yeah. And she's just like, no, I don't want that because it's got like Parmesan like sprinkled on it. Sounds like you had potentially a vegan daughter. She doesn't eat meat. So. And there's probably eggs in the dough. 
Yeah. But it sounds like you need to train your daughter. Think you got to write a pizza <laughs> SOP. Canceled. We're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, like John, for doing customers, train your daughter, you know, for Eat doing pizza. this with us twice. Happy, yeah, and, happy to do it. And multiple uh, tech checks with Christina. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've spoken to us. This one works times, better, right? This was way, way better. better. Yeah. Yeah. I got like a mic and stuff. Got soft yeah, boxes. Perfect. Flawless. See, that's all it takes is sometimes this is do it twice. And I, the thing was, is we could have used the last one, but we were, I was like, I can't do him dirty like that. He's a buddy. I don't want to like put out this thing about him. And it's like, there's a lag between our questions. And I hope there's at least some good salvageable clips on there. Like uh, the ladder or something. John coming off the building. <laughs> that was yeah, classic. I mean, <laughs> Dylan and I talked about that on our last episode, how we expected you to, there to be like this permanent structure that you were going to climb down or like like you went up a staircase panel. to get it out to the roof yeah. you were like oh no, yeah 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 like chair backpack computer down an extension ladder yep yeah Not that's exactly what it was Not Not dedication <laughs> no live on the edge man yeah all right dude we'll right. see you later i'll Thank make a so plan much. we'll hang out soon yeah sounds good <laughs> <laughs>